Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to the Eagle Brook Church Leadership Podcast. My name is John Alexander, and I'm here with my co-host, Don Grafham. Don, how are you doing? I am doing well. There's so much we can talk about, even with the that question. I feel like we've belabored it too long all the <laughs> way, probably. We just probably need to press on, say the world's crazy. Things are good. We got a great topic to cover today. Let's 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 get after it. That's, yeah. that's all I'll answer. That was a good summary. You did say the world is crazy and things are good. So it's kind of like somewhere in between there is where we're at right now. Somewhere in between. We're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. But it is nuts. Let's just acknowledge it. But Yeah. Well, today I'm excited because we're talking about communication, specifically verbal communication from a platform presenting to people. And I think this topic applies to pretty much any person, because no matter who you are, you need to be able to communicate, whether it's in front of a small team of people, maybe in front of your family, if you're a coach, a teacher, or in this case, uh, if you are a pastor and you've got just a limited amount of time to communicate with a group of people. So Don, I'm going to ask you, why does what we're going to call platform communication, where you're standing up in front of a group of people communicating to them. Why does platform communication matter? Well, I would just say leaders are communicators, you know, and maybe you could even say great leaders are great communicators in some way. That's true for written communication too, by the way, and platform communication, but also leading in a small group, leading a meeting. Communication is part of leadership. And you know, if I were to just to talk about my story a little bit, I mean, my journey of being a pastor really started back in 2004 when I was having a meeting with Dale Peterson to talk about uh, my small group that I thought we were talking about. And he kind of changed the topic on me. And while we were sitting at Panino's in Shoreview, <laughs> slips a piece of paper across the table and it's got a job description on it to become the pastor of growth. Uh, I was surprised, but I knew driving away from that lunch meeting that my life was going to change. And I shortly thereafter became the pastor of growth, did that for about two years. And that was 2004. And it was in 2005 that we went to Lionel Lakes. We moved our entire church to Lionel Lakes. Those people that know our history know that we essentially shut down our original site, White Bear Lake, all went to Lionel Lakes. But then uh, Lionel essentially blew up overnight so that we had to reopen White Bear Lake we kind of figured out how to use it as multi-site. Now, this is back again, 2005. And the reason I tell you that date is because not a lot of churches were doing multi-site. And so Dale Peterson kind of pitched in for a while. And then we realized we need to hire a full-time campus pastor. I was asked to consider that. And I was a little reluctant, to be honest. And part of it is because in that day, again, we didn't even know what a campus pastor was. And the biggest question that I had, which some people might still have to this day, is can you be a senior leader and not give the message. You know, is that really possible to be the senior leader of a location, but yet not be the one that gives the 30 minute message? So I went down, I was on a Thanksgiving break. I went to Willow Creek and I met with one of their campus pastors and I said, who had been doing it for just a year or so. I said, tell me what it's like to be a campus pastor. And to be totally honest with you, I said, you're kind of the announcement guy, right? I mean, like, you're not really the pastor, are you? And appropriately, he took a little offense to the question and said, oh, no, I have to correct you that I really do feel like I am the leader for this location that I'm responsible for. He says, if you were to line people up 
along the wall at my site, I guarantee you they would call me their senior leader because I'm the one that goes to the altar with them and helps them to get married. I'm the one that stands by a gravesite with them. I'm the one that goes to their hospital room. I'm the one that baptizes them. I'm the one that hands them communion. I'm the one that prays with them week in and week out. And he says, but what I've had to learn, and this is the big thing, is he says, I had to learn how to master the three. I was like, well, what do you mean by that? And he goes, well, I only get three minute windows. You know, I get this little window of time where I show up on stage and I have to communicate some information. And so I've had to learn how to master the three minutes that I get, whether that's on stage or even praying with somebody afterward or in the lobby or in some kind of conversation. I usually get three to five minute windows. I don't get a 30 minute message. And I like this challenge. He said, so I have to be even better even better than a teaching pastor, they get 30 minutes to, you know, horse around, tell stories, (laughs) you know, that's easy. He says, but really good communication has to happen inside of three to five minutes. He said, so you have to learn how to master the three. And so that was a huge challenge to me. That's kind of even what's leading us to our topic today is how do you master the three? Because, Because most leaders get a window of time, and I would say most even get a small window of time. How will you use your three minutes as a leader that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, that's a great setup. And, um, you know, so we are going to go after some of the solutions in our context, just to give you some perspective for those who don't know Eagle Brook as much. Um, really, what we're saying is for a campus pastor or any pastor on staff, you get these three minute chunks, either within a service or in front of a group of people or in a meeting or at a huddle, we call them, where you're kind of rallying the volunteers to inspire, to motivate, to move these people with your communication And again, that's our context, but like Don said, no matter what context you're in, um, we all can become better communicators. I think a lot of these principles will apply to you no matter where you are at. By the way, we do have these notes typed up for you because maybe you're driving, maybe you're somewhere where you can't use your phone or a pen. And plus, we do have a lot of notes to cover. And so we don't want to overwhelm you. That's why we've typed them up for you. But we are going to go through them. And what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about preparation, execution, and feedback. That's how we're going to become better communicators through better preparation, better execution, and how to ask for feedback. But before I even get there, Don, before we tee this up at all and talk about what makes a great communicator... I just want to ask you this question, maybe get you thinking if, if you're listening to this, when you visit a new place, whether it's a restaurant, a church, a store, what makes it a great experience? When you get hosted by someone, greeted by someone, welcomed by someone, what kind of characteristics does that place have that makes it a great experience? What do you think, Don? Yeah, well, just if I could because stories always stick with you. I mean, a story for me was when I got invited to go to a Chick-fil-A on a premiere night. Now, premiere night is like just days before they're going to open up the, the restaurant to the public. And we got, you had to come by invitation. We showed up on a, on a very dark January night, cold, showed up in the parking lot. And there was a person that met us at our car at Chick-fil-A, met us at our car said, oh, you must be here for the premiere night. Yes, we are. You're going to go right in that door right there, even though it was very obvious where we were going to go. But we get to the door. Somebody met us at the door. They handed us a couple tickets, uh, which were going to later be for door prizes. We got in. There was a live band. The cow was there for us to take pictures with. We eventually made it to our seat, which was preset. And then as soon as we sat down, this 
uh, looked like a high school kid came up and said, hey, do you want a backstage tour? We're like, of course. So they took us back to the back area of the restaurant, gave us a, a hot little roll that they had just made, got us back to our seats. We had a, a, an amazing meal while we were there. There were door prizes throughout the night. And then as we walked out, they gave us a warm cookie when we left. <laughs> I mean, like, it was like this amazing experience. And you can even tell by the passion I'm telling you about, like, how memorable this was. This was for me. This was years ago. But that's the kind of experience we want people to have when they come to church, isn't it? Yeah. Where it's so compelling that they can't help but tell their friends about it. It's a bit memorable. And it's a way that you're going to, of course, make it invitational that other people want to come back to. So that's the experience we're trying to create for people all the way from the parking lot to the seat and back. But that's what it needs to feel like on stage too, where it's this compelling, normal, uh, welcoming environment that you can't help but tell other people about. That's back to our other conversations. We want it to be invitational that when people leave, they say, I got to bring somebody, somebody back to that. Yeah. That's really good. I, I highlighted those words, you know, because of course the correlation is what do we want people to feel when they come to Eaglebrook Church? And we want them to feel like it's a compelling experience. And I think through our communication, we can do that. We can create that kind of feeling for people. We want people to feel like we're normal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, say more about that really quickly. What What does that mean, Don? Because our, yeah, wh- we want people to know that we're normal. We're just like them. We're What what does that mean exactly? Yeah, well, even if I were to talk about why is platform communication important in this little CP spot, three minutes long, I mean, a big part of what we're asking that moment to be is to normalize the experience. Because whenever you walk into a church, and really to a new location for that matter, if we were just to generalize this, but especially you walk into a new church, you're nervous, when I go to another church, and I, I don't do this a lot, but when I go to another church, I'm nervous. Like, for, legitimately. For the people up there. No, I'm nervous <laughs> for me, honestly. Oh, yes, yeah, got it. Like, when I go to, a, like, another church that's not Eagle Brook, because they're going to make me do something. Yeah. They're going to make me stand up and introduce myself. They're going to they're gonna do something that I don't understand. And I'm going to look like uh, an outsider. And we just want to... We want to get around that real quickly with those who are attending Eagle Brook to say we're normal. We dress normal. We use normal language. We want to normalize this experience so that you just settle in. We're not going to make you do anything you don't want to do. We're not going to force you to do anything. (laughs) That's right. And our hope is that that just breaks down the walls so that God can speak to somebody directly. Yes. If somebody's nervous about you're going to make me stand, you're going to make me introduce myself. Uh, you're going to make me shake hands with people, which we don't do in today's world anymore. But if you're, <laughs> you're going to do any of that, it's it's awkward. So that's what that CP spot almost is one of the most important things that happens in a CP spot is you're normalizing yes. the experience for people so that they can settle in. Yes, that's so good. And we, of course, we want people to feel welcome. You use that word. And we want to um, let people know we expected them to show up. That's such a key part of who we are, too. We expected you Don Grafham, who's never been to our church, we expect you to show up and we're going to make sure we acknowledge you in some shape or form because you're not an insider. So we're going to clarify that and make sure that you know um, what to do. And and again, we don't have any forced expectations on you, but the ways that you can take next steps in our church. So that's really good. And that kind of frames up um, where we're going to go next. Because like I said, the solution to all of this is to prepare better, execute better, and ask the right questions for feedback. So let's start by 
talking about the keys to great preparation. Don, why don't you take this one? Yeah, yeah. Well, number one is identify one goal. You know, you should really know your purpose for why you're doing your CP spot, why you're even communicating again in general. Uh, And so if you're going to like ask people to join a group, you know, you want to motivate people to sign up for that group. So, so you should find a way to communicate that one goal. Now here's when announce, here's when CP spots or announcement spots go wrong is when somebody tries to roll through about three to five to 10 things, it's like a it's malpractice. I mean, it just cannot happen. It won't happen at Eagle Brook. I mean, if somebody has three things to say, we usually say, I mean, that's, a, that's probably too much. We don't even like it when, I mean, and sometimes you have to do it. There's just like three things you have to cover, but we would never let somebody just get up there with a note card and say, oh yeah. And then there was this other thing with the students and oh yeah, by the way, did I mention this? And uh, I mean that again, they're not going to remember the break. Let's say that again. They're not going to remember any of it. No, they're not going to remember. And you can hear the whole, all the breaks just skid as the service comes to a stop. If you have somebody who gets up there and you tell them to do the announcements and then they rattle off five to seven things. Uh, it, it, again, it's, it's, yeah, we'd call that a cardinal sin here. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> and, uh, respect the one thing, do your best to do when the best CP spots cover one topic and then they have a story about it. They have an example about it. They have a, a way to act on that. And that should be one thing that they especially, especially focus on. So as you're preparing, what's the one thing you want to communicate Great. That will help it to be successful. Number two, type up the spot. Uh, even if you're one of those people that doesn't like to memorize things word for word, we'll talk about that eventually here. I still think there's value to typing up word for word. And I do think that that will help you to kind of wordsmith things and get a little more uh, practical uh, with the way you want to communicate something. So type up the spot, have that just regular discipline to do that. Number three, Practice it 10 to 15 times before you run through it. Uh, I just think that should be something that if you know you're going to communicate something this Saturday to type it out on Tuesday, Wednesday, and then throughout the time, you're just kind of running through it. You're just kind of saying it out loud as you drive around, uh, as you mow the lawn, whatever it is, that should be a regular part of what you're doing is practicing it 10 to 15 times. You want to add something? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I was just going to say, you know, that's, that's surprising to some people. What? just announce it. I mean, don't I have to talk? Why do I have to type it up? Well, typing it up teaches you to be concise and efficient with your words. So you're not using a bunch of fillers or superlatives or just things that like are, are filling in the gaps and practicing it. I mean, this is your moment (laughs) to master the three. I remember 10 years ago when I started Eagle Brook, uh, someone along the way taught me to actually practice um, the meetings that I was going to lead for volunteers on Wednesday nights as students. And so I would go into a room and practice what I was going to say. Some was announcements, some was a story, some was scripture. And so it wasn't like it was a message, but it was, I needed to cover this. So I practiced it 10 to 15 times. So I, I really had it down. And that practice, that repetition, when you're up there executing, you'll end up relying on that a lot more and you'll regret if you didn't. So yep. anyways, just to comment on those. Well, I'm glad you did because already we probably have someone listening to this that's saying you guys are overboard. Like this, this is ridiculous. I mean, you guys scale it in a little bit. I mean, really, it's it's the three minute spot. 
But, you know, like we said, this is, you don't get a message. This is your window. And so if you want to master the three, you have to have this kind of preparation for it. And even one of the, the analogies I've talked about with this too, is it's almost like a key. You know, if you think about what a key is, it's something simple, it's something small, you put it in the, the lock, you turn the lock and you open yourself and you can get into other rooms because you turned the key. And I found as a campus pastor, when I would deliver a CP spot, people would come up and share their sins with me. They would ask me to pray for something. They would, they would share something very private. And what did I do to earn the right for that? Well, I did really nothing, but I, I did turn the key. I just, I, I leveraged the three minutes and I just think, man, uh, don't underestimate the power of those three minutes too. So significant. All right. And then the last couple of things I'll just say is uh, number four, I think it is for me, memorize ideas, phrases, and transitions, but not word for word. Even though you're going to type it out word for word, I don't think as a communicator, now some people are really good at memorizing things word for word. Jason Strand's one of those. I think you're actually really good at memorizing things word for word. I'm not. And if I'm so busy worried about the next word, I become robotic in my communication. I get in my head. I forget to be present with where I am where if I can memorize ideas, phrases, and even transitions, that helps me to be more natural and in the moment, even yeah. though I've written it out ahead of time. Yes. And then lastly, I just say, this is obvious, but refresh it before you go up. I mean, we're practicing these things up to the last minute while the music's going on, you're saying it in your spot. Uh, you'll Lots of campus pastors will go into a closet or someplace in back where they'll be memorizing. They'll say the, be saying these things out loud or in their car as they come. So a last minute refresher. And then number six I had is preparation. This is, this is an important one. Preparation plus prayer equals greater peace. Uh, I just found because I'm a nervous person, I'm a nervous communicator, uh, that at the end of the day, when I'm standing in that place or sitting and I'm about to go communicate, if I can tell myself I've done all the preparation I could possibly do, I have prayed about this and asked God to help me at the end of the, at the end of that, I can say, no, God, I just trust you. And you're going to have to take it from here because I just can't obsess about this anymore. And at the end of the day, I have to say, God, I've done my part. Now I'm trusting you to do yours. And then you step into that moment with a greater sense of confidence, even though sometimes knees trembling saying, God, you're going to be the one that communicates through me. And I'm going to lift this to you. I'm going to give it to you and ask that you communicate through me and in yeah, me. That's so good. Great, great words, Don. Preparation, the keys of preparation. Don't don't underestimate how important preparation is. But let's move on to better execution. So now you've yeah. done all the work to prepare, and now you actually have to communicate what you've been preparing to communicate. And so again, if you have your notes, um, we've actually got 10 things. So we're going to fly through these, but they're all important to great execution. The first is this, be authentic, humble, and confident. Just what Don said. I mean, step into it. You've done the preparation, hand it over to God, and then be confident, be you, be yourself, be humble in spirit. I wrote, because um, I've, I've seen a lot of people lose sleep over communication. What do they say? Study after study proves, you know, people's biggest fear, greatest fear is the fear of public speaking, right? <laughs> and I would just say, and we're going to see these in some of the execution, it's not the end of the world if you aren't a great communicator or if you didn't nail that spot and so too many people lose sleep over it you have to find that balance between uh preparation and that nervous 
anxiety that actually does help your performance. You know, lots of performance studies on actually a little nervousness and anxiety actually helps peak performance, uh, but don't lose sleep over it. So be authentic, be humble, be confident. Yeah. I wish I was better at that. I'm listening to what you're saying. I'm going to try to internalize it because I do lose sleep before. And even the day after I'm just eating up on myself. Like, why did I say that? But you're right. Again, at the end of the day, you got to just trust God. He put you there for a reason and he's going to, he's going to lead you through it. So. Yeah. And that, and that word authentic, we, we, we really steer away from preaching voices or changing our voice just because we're communicating so we do try to communicate in a normal talking voice. Of course, sometimes you exaggerate energy. That's a good thing that communicators do, but we don't change like our accents or the way we talk. Or <laughs> We're trying to also be ourselves because people can sniff that out a mile away if you're, if you're being someone that you're not. So be authentic, humble, confident. Number two, it's okay to bring up notes. Okay, this I, I hear all kinds of communicators teach one way or the other in regards to this. Oh, you should definitely be a notes person. You should definitely be a memorized person. I mean, and back and forth, I would say, do what's going to make you the most confident. I absolutely do not think you should bring up your full word for word script and read it. No, I'm not saying that. But if you need a cheat sheet, something in your back pocket, just in case, maybe a couple of keywords, a lot of places, churches have, you know, back TVs, plasmas, that let, <laughs> let you have some cheater words. I, you know, that's okay. It gives you a sense of confidence. I always, to this day, bring up notes in my back pocket, even if I have it fully memorized, if I don't need them out. I just know it's there in case I'm stumbling, losing my spot, not sure where I'm supposed to go next. I know I can just pull those out and take a look. So again, as much as possible, don't use notes, but if you need to, I would just affirm it's totally okay. And we, we know too, we, we've seen two great preachers uh, be a part of our church for a really long time. Bob was a full manuscript person, full set of notes, mm-hmm. and he was authentic and humble and confident and brilliant communicator. Jason brings no notes. Right. Zero. And he is authentic, humble, and confident. <laughs> so we've seen two examples of people who can do this very, very well, right? Right, exactly. And yeah, to find, I liked how you said that, what's going to bring confidence to you in that notes or no notes? For some reason, people feel guilty bringing up notes. And I I don't think you need to. I think if that's going to help you feel confident, go for it. I mean, people understand that. That's okay. Exactly. All right, third key to execution. This is specific to uh, pastors who are communicating within the, the context of a worship service, but match energy with the moment. Okay, so if you're coming out of a song that's big and powerful and people are having this, this holy moment, this spiritual moment, then communicate in a way that matches the moment. If uh, we just told a really sad story and you come up all peppy and happy and smiley, you're not matching the moment. You need to be present in the moment within the service so that you're matching it and bridging the gap. I'd also say you need to know the start, starting energy, the starting moment, and the ending moment. You need to know what you're setting up next. And if that energy doesn't match it, it's going to feel really wonky in the course of a service. Yeah, that's well said. That's when I think having too much preparation can actually backfire. 
is if you're so locked in on your script before you get up there and you fail to feel the moment, it can be a mismatch. So you just said it perfectly coming into it. You got to be very aware and then going out of it. Yes. Dial it in. It's to be aware of that, yeah. that the emotion that's in the room really important. Yeah. Number four, don't use insider language. This is what we were talking about earlier. We expect new people to show up who don't know anything about Eagle Brook. They don't know anything about church and they know very little about God, Jesus, or the Bible. So we just do whatever we can to not use insider language. We just find that alienates people. We want to show that we expected them when they showed up. So don't, in our case, we don't assume anyone knows what Kenodio is. Right. What is Kenodio? If you're listening and you're not part of Eagle Bird, you're like, Kenodio? What, what is that? Sure. Some, you know, rodeo. We, we don't expect people to know how to give. Uh, we don't expect people to know what communion is when we take communion. Uh, we don't expect people to know what next steps are. So we explain almost everything and we boil it down to the simplest terms that we can because we want to level the playing field. So as much as possible, consider that person who does not know what you're talking about and don't use insider language. Yeah, that's good. And I think you need somebody else to be looking at that because it's so easy for us to use Kenodio. It's a great example. <laughs> and, and you and I would probably wouldn't even catch it. But then you have somebody else that, you know, you realize nobody knows what you mean by that. Oh, that's right. I, so you need people that are listening to you and have the confidence and you need to be able to receive that. Yeah. You know, where, oh yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. I can give a quick definition to that or use another, another phrase or another word. Yeah, exactly. It's great. Okay. Fifth. And I mentioned this earlier about not losing sleep. When you mess up, laugh. <laughs> now this is really hard. And maybe this is coming from, I consider myself somewhat of a veteran who's done this, you know, hundreds of times. Uh, <laughs> When you mess up, people remember those moments as just being lighthearted and fun. But if you start crying on stage or, or, you know, walk off or storm off or get really red in the face, people will be nervous because, again, they're nervous. Because I, I asked you this earlier, Don, you go into a place nervous for yourself when you're brand new. Yep. But sometimes when I'm in a tender somewhere or watching someone communicate, I also can feel nervous for them. Have oh, yeah. you ever felt that feeling? <laughs> Just, I still do regularly. Yep. Yeah, you see it in their face. You see, oh, I'm feeling anxious for this person if they're not comfortable. And so when you mess up or say the wrong phrase or, and, you know, we've all done it. We've all said something wrong. I, I have a memory of, and I didn't laugh because I didn't know I did at the time. I was starting a night of worship. And I said something three times that was the opposite of what it was supposed to be. I said something like, hey, all, let's, let's remember that God is unfaithful. He is unfaithful. And yes, he is unfaithful. And people are like, what, what is happening? And so I got to point out after, and I was able to call back to it later in that night of worship, like, Oh, I remember what I said. And I could have, you know, of course it bothered me that I, what was I even doing? What was happening? Oh, but yeah. at the end of the day, you can laugh and people give you a lot of grace there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's tough not to beat yourself up. About yeah. It. You're right. you, just, you just have to be gracious with yourself. Right. Key to communication. Now I'm not going to spend a lot of time on number six because we have we're going to finish our our podcast with that. But um, the sixth key to execution is to actually ask other people for coaching and feedback. Don't be afraid. Anytime you get a chance to communicate, a meeting, 
a vision, a huddle, a communication spot, you should be asking people, how can I get better? And, and let me just say, if, if you're someone who um, communicates often and you consider yourself an expert or a veteran, please don't stop. I mean, still to this day, Jason Strand, our senior pastor, is one of the best communicators I know. After every four o'clock service, all right, what could I do better? Ryan Leak, you know, every time he speaks at our church, a teaching pastor at our church, and he's one of the most brilliant communicators I've ever seen. All right, what can I do better? So if you're someone who's been doing this for a long time and you're not asking people, you're not executing at the highest level that you can. Yeah. Just the way it goes. Yeah. No, all right. I, yeah, go Feedback is so, man, that's just how we need to get better. It's so hard because you're nervous about what you said. So to ask for feedback is so hard, but it, it's just the way you get better yep. is having those people you trust and being as specific as possible too. I mean, that's the best feedback, I think, is some, someone that's for you and they can say, when you said that phrase, that sentence, that transition, man, that's when everything just kind of made sense to me. And so I think even as a feedback giver is how do you encourage somebody and say, here's specifically what you did well, or maybe a place to get better. But yeah. uh, rather than just the, hey, you did really good, uh, that's not so helpful. Yep, exactly. That's great. All right, number seven, watch yourself. Now, this is really whatever context you're in, you can find a way to watch yourself. You could, you could record yourself doing this communication before you actually do it on your iPhone or your computer. And you could watch yourself. If, if you are recording yourself in a worship service or somewhere where you are doing it, go back and watch yourself. This I find is the most uncomfortable thing that we do as communicators. At least for me, I hate watching myself. I hate it, but there are things that I pick up that I would not have picked up on otherwise if I wasn't watching myself. So just, Force yourself to watch yourself communicate as uncomfortable as it is because you'll pick up on things that you do that maybe otherwise you didn't know that you were doing. Yeah. Painful, but important. Yes. <laughs> All right. Just a few more and then we're going to finish with feedback here. But number eight, don't preach, be forceful or beat the sheep. Now, what do I mean by that? People within a church context have shown up and they need someone to shepherd them along, to help them take next steps, to help them grow in their faith, to be inspired. They have just gone through a terrible week. The election's up in the air. They know someone who has COVID. They, their kids are, you know, staying way past curfew. They they lost their job. They The last thing that they want to feel is beat up. <laughs> so when we come down on people and we need you to serve and you just sit there and you don't do anything with your life. You just, you know, you're just consuming, consuming, consuming. I get that. Sometimes we feel that way, but that is not going to motivate anyone. So what we, what I'm saying about this spot is don't feel like it has to come down on people. In fact, that's going to be demotivating for most people. You should feel like you're coming under people and inspiring them to do something that you're communicating about. We're just, this is crucial for us. The people who are in the right to uh, be a little forceful, a little prophetic, a little challenging are people who've spoken for, like you said, horse around for 30 minutes. It's the teaching pastors, maybe at the end of 30 minutes, if they have the credibility 
to go there with people, but not even every message goes there because, you know, it just depends on who that person is and, and what kind of message it is and what the scripture is saying. But man, in three minutes, don't beat people up. Don't make yeah. them feel guilty. Don't shame them. And that's not motivating. <laughs> One of the ways I've thought about a good campus pastor spot is it, it's like two friends talking to each other. As a campus pastor, you're, you're treating the congregation, the attenders like a friend. And so you, you laugh with them, you tell them information, and there is a time that you challenge them and hold them accountable to like, hey, we got to get better. But that comes through relationship. I mean, it comes through, yep. we've done time together, we've laughed together. Uh, it doesn't just come from a, hey, I'm above you, yep. do this or else, just like you're saying, or making people feel guilty. That just yep. doesn't work. To well, you said that you said we. That's also a great way. Hey, hey, we need to challenge each other to go forward in this. We need to grow in our you know, value of generosity. And I, I love that language too, because that, that makes it inclusive. And you're admitting, I need to grow in this area as well. So I'm not coming at you. I actually want to grow with you. Yeah. Right. And, and people pick up on that stuff pretty quickly too. If you're talking down to them, they're, they're going to pick up on that. And yeah, absolutely. No one wins from that, Yeah. <laughs> Okay, two more keys to execution. I, I say this all the time, information is boring. It's necessary, but it's also boring. So use stories. I just told you before we hopped on this podcast, a story that one of our campus pastors told this last weekend about one of these dolls that sings to their daughter and they had it on demo mode. So it only played four seconds. They didn't know for the longest time, like this is weird. It only played four seconds of this Frozen song, you know, Elsa singing Frozen or whatever. And it finally clicked for this campus pastor that it wasn't on like full play mode. And so once they got on full play mode, it'd play this full song and he tied it into how people often experience church in demo mode. But really, if they want to experience the full song, they need to start taking a step. They need to join a group, be a part of serving. And I mean, I was so motivated by that story. It wasn't even necessarily like a, well, it wasn't a life-changing story, but it was compelling and it hooked people. And so, you know, information, I know we have to deliver information, but like you said earlier, Don, surround it with story, you know, surround it with examples. And of course, tell me why, tell me why this matters before you tell me how to do it or what I'm supposed to do. Just key. Stories are so key. Yeah. Yeah. And that doesn't happen automatically. I mean, I think we kind of default into information mode of, hey, I want everybody here to get into a group. And that's really important. Uh, but what we fail to talk about is a story or how that's impacted our lives or, you know, got deeper into the purpose, mission, uh, you know, motivation of it. And I, I think that's what makes the CP spot better or even that short window of communication is you have something that illustrates it, that brings it to life, not just another piece of information or an action. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Final key, be genuinely happy to be there and to see people there. So. I, I underline this word smile. A smile goes such a long way. It doesn't mean you have to be up there grinning ear to ear the whole time that you're speaking. That may not be your style. It's certainly not my style. But if you can be genuinely warm, I'm excited that you're here and you smile when you say it or worship leaders, when you're communicating a profound thought about God, worship leaders have a, have a tendency to be very melancholy and sad and Okay, we get a lot of that. But if you're communicating a profound truth and an exciting thing about God, smile. Be, be excited to be 
you know, communicating these truths. And if you're leading a meeting or if you're trying to move uh, a boardroom forward, I mean, just that it's amazing. And we should do more research on this. I'm sure there's plenty of research about this, but a smile breaks down so many barriers and walls as a communicator. Don't you agree? Oh, it's yeah. It's so good. It just, again, it normalizes. I mean, it just makes us, we're all in this together. They're normal and they enjoy being here too. Yeah. So that's preparation. That's execution. You as a communicator, if you, wherever you're listening, you probably have other things you would add to it. That's just a list of things that we've generated over the years to prepare better, to execute better. But Don, I want to finish up just a few more minutes here of the third part of just becoming a better communicator. And that's to ask for feedback, to ask the right questions. Now we've identified a few questions that work for us. It might be different questions for you as a communicator, but for us, uh, we want to ask these kind of questions. And this is going back to your first point in preparation, Don, that identify one goal. When you're done communicating, ask, will people know exactly what you want them to do or know in one sentence? <laughs> and if at the end they're like, I actually don't know what she wants me to do in this, then you, you missed it. So that's the point of asking for feedback after the fact. You got to be able to identify that one goal. And then if you're done with it, what, wait, what did he want me to do? Well, he told me 10 things. No, no. What's the one thing uh, that I'm supposed to do as a result of what you communicated, right? Yeah, absolutely. You're right. And that's, that's, if you have that focus going in, it'll be kind of obvious, but if you don't have that intentionality ahead of time, it's amazing that you can, you can talk for 30 minutes, you can talk for an hour. And at the end, nobody really knows what you wanted them to do, much less three minutes, unless you really make it clear. And so yeah. clarity is a key part of what you're trying to do in that, that CP spot. Important information that's inspired really is what makes for a great little three minute spot. Yeah. Question two, are you relating to 80% of the people? And by 80%, we mean the majority. Now, different contexts will have different majorities, certainly, but we're physically located in the uh, Minnesota. There's a certain context, a, a cultural um, thing that's happening around us. And so with your dress, with your language, with your humor, are you able to relate to a majority of people? Now, this one's squishy. Right, Don, this one's harder to identify because we're, you know, in different contexts, different cultures, but this is a good question to ask. Did your spot and you as a person, you as the way you're talking, relating, are you able to relate to a majority of people? I think this is a key question to ask to see if you're hitting the mark. Yeah, yeah, it, it is an important one. It's why what we do on Wednesday night with students should feel different than what we do on a Saturday or a Sunday with adults that are in the room and and if you're if you're not thinking about who's in the room how do they dress how do they talk what humor is relevant uh, then you could be missing you could be missing the spot so that's an important part of maximizing the three minutes that you have is be relatable you know to the 80 percent that are in the room exactly okay two more and we've talked about this a lot so we don't need to belabor it but are you clearly thinking about the first timer the unengaged and the people who are high owners. So now we've talked a lot about making sure that we expect people who don't know anything about our church, anything about God, anything about the Bible, but we don't want to leave behind people who've also been a part of our church, part of faith for a really long time either. So you also don't want to minimize. So when we talk about giving, for example, we'll say, 
man, if you're here for the first time, no pressure to give. Here's how you do it if you want to take a next step. And by the way, thank you to those who continue to give so faithfully to our church. We recognize you and we're grateful for you. Now, right there, I just acknowledge the first timer, the people who are unengaged, but they know what maybe they didn't know the next step and people who have given so faithfully. It's important in any communication to consider all three of those groups. Yeah, no, that's, that's perfectly said. I don't don't even think I need to to add anything more, but man, are we passionate about that? And I do think a lot of churches especially can end up speaking to the insider. And I mean, like you said, we've already hit on this, but we can't emphasize it enough. Somebody's coming today for the very first time. You know, somebody was praying, thinking, building a relationship. And today's the day they're bringing their best friend, their loved one. And so talk to that person, you know, don't forget about that person that's there. Obviously talk to the longtime attender, but man, we have to always remember today's the day somebody's there for the first time. Absolutely. Yep. And final question is, are you bringing heart? You know, are you bringing your full self to it? Even if it's feels like information that's not important, are you bringing your full self to it? Are you bringing your heart? Are you bringing some humor? Humor breaks down walls. Doesn't mean you have to be hilariously funny every time I, I don't think, you know, either of us are naturally funny, but you use some, well, you are Don, I maybe, yeah, yeah. but we, we, we've learned some tools, not like telling pastor jokes, but just some tools to get a laugh out of people occasionally to break down those walls. You bring in heart, are you bringing humor and are you bring some application? Because again, the one purpose, is there actually a step, a point to what you're talking about? Hey, as a result of what I'm talking about, go do this one thing. Is there one way that people can apply that communication? I think all three of those things are hugely critical to a great three-minute communication spot, heart, humor, and application. Yeah, that's well said. That's a good way to, to boil it boil it down right there too. And And if you do that in a conversational way, you know, that feels natural, normal to people, not robotic, you know, not overly uh, word for word, which is I've seen people kind of go that way too, but this is a natural conversational. This is a normal person. They smile, they laugh, uh, heart, humor, action. Uh, I'm with you. I'm there. Yeah, exactly. I want to be friends with you. Let's go. We're in this together. (laughs) I think that's that's a win. So that, that's kind of what we're looking for Yeah. in that, that three-minute spot. Or if you get a three-minute window of communication. Again, I think this applies to so many areas. John, if I were to ask you one question before you start to put the bow on the package here, you're going to talk to, there's a pastor we just hired. They just got asked to do their first CP spot two weeks from today, two weeks from now. What is it that, if you were to like boil it down, here's like that final piece of information you want to give that person. What what insider information would you give? Like, you got two weeks to get ready for this. Let, don't Remember this. It's <laughs> really important. I would say good luck and we'll see you on the other <laughs> side because you just got to go through it. <laughs> but in some ways, that that's true. I, I think in... Um, in years past, we used to put a lot of pressure on people to deliver that first time. And I think everyone feels that pressure still when they get asked to communicate a spot on a platform somewhere where some people are going to see, people feel that pressure naturally. They're already going to be tough on themselves. Mm-hmm. I think we, we've actually tried to, to release the pressure a little bit and be more encouraging 
and help them with the preparation going into it. So I would say, type it up, send it to me, and then memorize that thing. Work it more than even 10 to 15, work it 25 to 30. So you know it like the back of your hand when you step up there and your heart starts beating and the sweat you know, drips. I'm a sweater, by the way, when I communicate and production people hate that. Um, when you step up there and your, your nerves kick in, you're going to rely back on your muscle memory. And that's the times you, you ran it. So I would say type it up, practice it, starting about two or three days before. And oh, again, people are like, are you serious? I, I don't even think about my announcements till like I walk up there. Well, yep. if you get this one shot, I practice it like crazy work and, and give yourself a couple of nights sleep. So it starts to like embed in your system. Again, I'd have, there's probably been plenty of research, but I just find, you know, the communication so much more if you're not working on it Saturday morning, but you're working on it Wednesday evening. And you're kind of starting to just, eh, let me just start chewing on, put in my mind, what am I going to say? Yeah. Um, that's what I would say to people. And I'd say, at the end of the day, you're going to be just fine, <laughs> no matter what happens. Yeah. So, like yeah. Well, Don, how about you? Any, any final thoughts on communication? Because again, this is an art. Uh, every, I mean, for as long as we live, we can all grow to become better communicators. There's always more work to be done. But yeah, any final thoughts on on communication before we wrap things up here? Yeah, I I mean I don't know I, I I do think there's just a privilege, you know, that comes in being a leader. I just I feel so grateful that I get to do what I do, and I think leaders do. I mean, like I honestly I just said this sentence to somebody yesterday. Like I can't believe I get to sit at the table with nine other campus pastors. Like I can't believe I get to sit at the table, much less be the one that's kind of leading the way. And so there's just a great privilege with that. And so when we can prepare for it, when we can execute in the, our communication, when we can get feedback on that, we're just going to grow as communicators. Whether it's again, whether it's on the platform, whether it's in a meeting, whether it's in a huddle, you know, before people are getting ready to, to go about their job. I just think we all want to get better at that. And I'm just glad we could spend this time diving in a little deeper, getting super practical, maybe too practical for some, but I think it's, these are like the right steps. I mean, if you start chewing on these things, you start practicing these, you're, you're going to get better as a communicator. And that's our hope for people. I mean, because it is a privilege and we really do, we should enjoy it too along the way. It shouldn't feel like something that you just agonize through. And I think if you put these things in place, you'll get better and the people will enjoy following you as a leader as well. It's great. Well, thank you, Don. As always, you're a great partner. It's fun to do this podcast with you. I hope our wives listen to this. Maybe. Maybe. maybe, Yeah, maybe your sons will. I I don't know. Maddox is probably too young. He's nine, but... But that is all we got for this. In the background. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Make them listen. <laughs> but thank you for joining us, everyone. Um, that's all we got for this episode of Eagle Brook Church Leadership Podcast. We just believe that when leaders get better, the church gets better. So thanks for joining us. And we will see you for the next episode. The next episode being in 2021, if you can believe that, of the Eagle Brook Church Leadership Podcast. Thanks, everyone. 